What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And I love talking to people who are driven to create and make the world a better place with their work. Welcome to a special six-part series of Art Pays Me called Craft Pays Me, where I'll be talking to six craftspeople who represent a cross-section of mediums and stages in their careers. I want to give a special thank you to Julie Roswell and Craft Nova Scotia for making this possible. We'll hear from Julie at the beginning of each episode in the series. And I also want to give a thank you to Arts Nova Scotia for their additional support in this project. Let's get into it. Here we are for installment number three, uh, Dwayne. Uh, it's been it's been great uh, starting off with Tony uh, Ceramics, uh, which we aired on January 24th. And then we filmed, or I guess, recorded Lori Nason of uh, Fuse Glass Diva yesterday, which will, I think you're going to launch it on February 7th, if I remember correctly. Um, and now we're, we're already uh, working on number three, Jennifer Marlowe, uh, who is a woodworker. Um, so this is the Crafts Me, Crafts Pays Me, gosh, I can't talk. <laughs> Crafts Pays Me uh, podcast series, uh, installment number three uh, with Jennifer Marlowe. Um, I'm Julie Roswell. I'm the program director with Craft Nova Scotia. Um, we are a charitable nonprofit uh, in the province uh, who works with craftspeople. Uh, and I realized uh, after the last two uh, 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 podcasts that we recorded, I've been saying 40 years that Craft Nova Scotia has been around, but 1973 to 2021 is actually 48 years. Wow. Um, so we're almost 50 old um and so craft nova scotia um has the center for craft which we administer where there are studios we have an online shop uh the designer craft shop uh which uh we just launched in december as part of our our renewal after a year of pandemic um we had to close down our uh, physical shop so that's an exciting development we do lots of professional development work with our members we uh, work with about 300 individual craftspeople and then because we also have guilds as members there's about a thousand craftspeople um who uh you know benefit from our services so Jennifer Marlowe is a woodworker and sort of the two areas that I know her best from, or maybe three, I guess, um, would be exhibitions. So we do a member exhibition at the Mary Black Gallery every year, and she has often had pieces in those exhibitions. Uh, teaching, uh, I know she does a lot of teaching. And at our shows, uh, so we have a large show, which normally would happen at Canard Event Center um, in November and one in July at the uh, at Victoria Park in Halifax. So she is often a part of that. But what I love about Jennifer is that she's always working on wood pieces. So you'll go by her booth and you've got a pile of wood chips on the ground or on the carpet at the Canard Centre, um, which I know the, the people cleaning at night are probably wondering, what the heck is happening here during the day? Um, all, the, all these wood chips uh, on, the, on the carpet. But I think it's great that she has a way of reaching people when she's out in public. They love to see works in progress and be connected with them. So I hope you guys have a great conversation. Really excited that we're already halfway, Mark, on our podcast series, uh, Craft Pays Me. 
which we're doing with the generous support of Arts Nova Scotia. And we hope that people make sure they follow Craft Nova Scotia. Um, and it literally is just at Craft Nova Scotia on all social media platforms. And uh, enjoy the series. Thank you, Julie. Okay. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. All right, Jennifer. Welcome. Hello, Dwayne. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nice, nice to, to be finally, here. Yeah, nice to finally connect. Uh, yeah. So, your specialty is wood. Yes, and Julie referred to me as a woodworker, and that's a stretch. No, I'm a wood carver. <laughs> so I'll not be, uh, you know, framing any houses or building any fine cabinetry anytime soon, but I'll, I'll carve a few things. Okay. Is that, like, really physically laborious work? It can be. I mean, it's uh, it really, there's a range. I mean, right now I'm doing a little commission that's on... Um, it's fine ornamental carving on a piece of um, mahogany that's going to become a jewelry box. I'm not making the box, but I'm doing the carving on it. So very fine. And then I have a chainsaw that I'll go and uh, <laughs> I'll, you know, carve some big logs for, for garden sculpture. So, and anything in between. And yeah, so it can, it can run the range. That's, that's really cool. Which do you prefer, like the tiny pieces or the big ones? I don't really have a preference. I just seem to, I'll go back and forth and it just seems to happen at the perfect time. So right now I'm working on this little, this little, the little piece I was just telling you about. And it is, um, it is inspired by William Morris wallpaper. So crafts, craftsman style type of work and lots of repetitiveness but the in the design itself there's something always slightly different so I can't even make a template for it I have to carve it as I go so I like that challenge so it's not like it doesn't become a productive or production type of thing where I can you know hammer out a little template and then away I go I have to mm -hmm. pay attention so um so I'm, I'm really enjoying that. It just came at the perfect time. And um, uh, so I like that. But, I'll, you know, when it warms up and I can be outside a bit more, I'll, I'll be outside with the chainsaw again. So <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. <laughs> so in your, you're currently based in Nova Scotia, correct? I am. I am in, uh, I live in my workshops in Shibanakity. Okay. And did you grow mm -hmm. up here? I was born in Cape Breton and then uh, moved to the mainland <laughs> when I was about um, uh, three or four. We had a, a short stint in Tantallon before my parents bought a house in Milford, which is the neighboring community to, to where I am right now. So it's, it's dairy farming out here. Um, mm. So I, you know, I grew up in an old, big old drafty farmhouse and we didn't live on a farm. But we, it was a farm at one point and um, about eight acres of land. So lots of lots of room for kids to roam around in. Right, right. And what part of Cape Breton? Out of curiosity. Uh, South Bar, to be exact, which is just just over the overpass from Sydney. So okay. um, and right, you know, very close to Whitney Pier. So industrial Cape Breton. OK, mm -hmm. cool, cool. And um, so like, were you? 
what kind of so you're running around you you were free as a as a bird like on that farm from then i was i was we <laughs> yeah yeah i i i just remembered spending a lot of time outside you know and um I had a dirt bike at one point and there was oh, enough wow. room to, you know, make little tracks and that sort of thing. And, and, um, my best friend that lived across the road, who's still my best friend, she, um, she grew up, she was the young, young, she's the youngest of five girls that on a dairy farm right across the road. So I spent a lot of time up there and doing, you know, a bit of farm work, the highlight of our, our, uh, childhood was haying season back when there was actually people doing the haying (laughs) and uh yeah it it was a it was a great great place to grow up so were you would you consider yourself a creative child uh you know it's funny that uh no not compared to how I hear others um speak of themselves and their in their childhood with the creativity. I was definitely a very physical kid, always Mm -hmm. out, um, you know, playing sports and, and uh, outside and on the bikes or dirt bikes or whatever, you know, I was, Mm. I was very physical. Got you. Which kind of makes sense. Like when I see your work and I, I can see you working that wood, like it's, it's, it, it all kind of comes together. Yeah, and I do feel that too because there are times, you know, like I, I'm currently working very small, but I will, I'll feel that need to work big and get very physical, you know. So I'll have a big block of wood, and you know, it's not. I don't always use a chainsaw for the big stuff. I'll use a, you know, a large mallet and and a chisel, and that's yeah. very physical. But I, I, I can tell when I need that physicality. Right. So. You actually have a degree in music from Dalhousie University. (laughs) So when I, but you know, when I look at some of your um, sculptural work, that's kind of more on the, would you consider fine art side or would you not necessarily consider it that? You know, uh, I let others determine that quite honestly. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really label it, you know, cause it's, it's, it's hard to, sometimes it's, I can tell for me, it's more about how I'm working. Mm. So the process that I'm, I'm doing. So uh, for instance, you know, if I'm, if I'm working on a, a commercial sign, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's the fine craft and the skill of that to do that. Yeah. But I have to have that in order to make the sculpture as well. So, yeah. you know, I don't I don't really think about labeling it. I let others do that. <laughs> right, right. But I, I sense a certain musicality to some of those pieces, if that makes sense. That's interesting. How do you yeah. see that? Already I'm just interested in what how where do you see that? Like the almost like something about when they're finely polished and you can see like sort of the intricate details in them. And maybe it's because a lot of them seem like the whales in particular, I'm thinking have like a, a, a nautical feel. I, I just feel this, this flow, this natural flow that I sense in music at the same time. The, uh, yeah. I think you really touched on something there. Um, and especially with the whales. I mean, I, 
I do two species of whales predominantly, the, the sperm whale and the, um, and the humpback whale. The sperm mm-hmm. whale, be, because of it, the nod to Nantucket, where I learned to where to carve, you know, and they built their whole economy on whaling and, and sperm whale oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving back to Nova Scotia, of course, the, the humpbacks are, are pretty predominant here. And there is a lyricism, I find, in the humpback, right. you know, whereas the, the sperm whale is quite lineal and powerful. And, but mm. so there is a, there is a, like a musical line of some sort, whether it's a flowing, you know, well, they both flow. I do, I do think of that, you know, as I carve it, it's about the form, the flow of the form first, and then, you know, whatever details it is to, to make it that particular type of whale or sculpture. Mm. Cool. Cool. So like, what was it that drew you to wood of all things? I think it was, you know, and I, I think it was just the house I grew up in. I think it started there. Um, when we moved in there, it wasn't, it wasn't inhabited for a couple of years. So it was really, you know, it was pretty derelict really. Mm. And, but my parents, they just took it on. And my father, he, he was a, a sea captain and, and he was away for about two months of the, at a time. And then he'd be home for a month and then he'd work on the house. And then, um, you know, some, so sometimes when he's, he was home, you know, I, I, we spent months, if not maybe a couple of years with no walls. So all the walls were knocked down, mm. you know, and then just the bare studs were there for, I, I, could, <laughs> I just can remember the, the the bare studs and then just the constant woodworking you know lifting of the floors and sanding of the floors putting them back down the smell of the wood was constant really and my father was you know he was he worked in wood when he wasn't at sea and so I think it I think it came from that and then I'd sort of sneak out and I got the the job of sanding stuff a lot (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had that job but I try to avoid it (laughs) now (laughs) Oh, nice, nice. And from your, for your, uh, your more commercial work, I'm a, I'm a graphic designer by, by trade. So Mm -hmm. I see a lot of graphic design in there. Do you, are you usually sent the, the layouts and said, you know, replicate this or do are you involved in creating the layouts that where they involve text and things like that? Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good question because uh, I don't have a graphic design background, and I find that that's the challenging part for me is design. If I have to do it, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes people will come to me like uh, like the latest sign I did was for the Carpenters Union down in Sydney, and um, they had it was their crest, right? So all that stuff was done. I just had to scale it up, and mm. uh, you know, so that was. But there are times where I do, you know, the farm signs that um, and the community signs, I do the design work with that mm-hmm. and try to, you know, work with the client and trying to pull out what, you know, what's important. And um, it's an interesting process for sure. But when it comes to layout, like I, that's, it's a weakness for me just simply because I don't have that, that, the background and the, um, that much experience in, in layout, like graphic design layout. Yeah. 
do you find like we we as graphic designers tend to obsess over fonts and I, I noticed like oh you're using certain fonts and having to replicate them and all of that kind of stuff are you finding that you you're growing a love for fonts or is it more of a thing like I have to do it so I'll figure it out um I you know honestly it I don't care I just love to carve it <laughs> just, I'll figure okay. it out and I'll carve it um, the majority of my fonts are incised, um, carved, you know, uh, and which is a traditional and with anything with serifs, I, it's very, that's a very traditional font, right? Yeah, like yeah. times new Roman, you know, um, I still love, I carve it a lot. I still mm. love carving it, but if you come up with a, a more contemporary font, I'll, I'll enjoy the challenge of figuring out maybe a different way of carving it maybe not because i typically use a knife for my mm. incised work but maybe i'll maybe i'll use a gouge and use you know it's an opportunity to create a bit of texture as opposed to you know working with the fast facets and the shadows right right and you also um you teach woodworking or wood carving, carving. yeah, yeah. Uh, wood carving. <laughs> wood carving. Let's, let's make that distinction wood <laughs> <Yep>. carving. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. So I was teaching at Lee Valley for a few years and both kids and adult classes. And, um, and that wasn't, that wasn't much of a stretch for me since I, yeah, I teach piano. I've been teaching piano for 25 years oh, no way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, um, so the skill set from the teaching, you know, and I'm, that was, that was easily transferable. And, um, so then of course COVID happened and right before that, the Lee Valley stores in Ontario, I was supposed to go and start teaching up there, but those were wiped out. <laughs> and so I, I, it just sort of, just sort of forced my hand to do it on my own. And, you know, it takes a little bit of, um, you know, investment on the front end. Cause I gotta get, you know, head benches made and get more tools and all that sort of thing. And, um, but, um, it's, it's good. I like it. I just finished a, another, um, beginners, a two day beginner one on the weekend and I'll be starting up another one next week. So, you know, I enjoy it and it's, I only right now with COVID, I just have four people and I like being able to teach the individual, you know, like instead of a step-by-step, -step, I can sort of pick out, you know, people's strengths and, and work with that. So I enjoy that. Mm. Do you find like most of your students are looking to do it as a hobby or are some of them like seriously considering doing wood carving as a pursuit? Uh, I'd say mostly for a hobby. Mm -hmm. Mostly. Yeah. I, you know, even when I started, I never, you know, there was it never went in my head thinking, even when I have, was sort of apprenticing for a couple of years, I never thought that I was going to be a full-time wood carver. And, mm -hmm. um, so you never know, right. When people start with that and, uh, you know, I know there's um, there's a couple that that carve quite a bit independently outside of any classes that they they take with me. So, um, um, but they do have other jobs too. Right, right. Yeah. So, did you have some gallery representation? Do you currently are you currently in any galleries? At the Secor Gallery on Quimple Road in Halifax. Okay. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at now. Is that something you pursued, or is it sort of just something that happened as you? going along 
that sort of happened. I've been, yeah, that, no, I, I, I definitely approached them. This is like a few years ago, a number of years ago. Okay. Um, but it was, you know, based on the, what I was hearing from other artists. It, I, mm. So I didn't go in completely cold. I wasn't, it was just, you know, you, you listen to your peers and, and, gotcha. and the experiences and, that they have. And it's like, oh, there's a place right. that I should go. And sure enough, Phil and Wendy are, are great. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned the, the pandemic a bit, like has, have you like figured out ways to sell your work online during this period? Is that something you're concerned about? Yes, I'm very concerned about it. <laughs> Am I doing anything about it? Uh, it's uh, it's to me it, it it's not it's overwhelming for me to think about because I don't know where to start. And I gotta because I know once I go down that rabbit hole, you end up spending more time doing that than creating as I'm sure you're you probably know yourself you know the administrative side of stuff can easily dominate your work day and um I try uh and plus I I find it really tedious so I start to lose (laughs) interest in it but it's I do like just like the teaching um making my own teaching courses here um I will buckle down and, and sort it out. I've got a couple things on the go that I'm, I'm going to work toward in helping streamline how, how I approach that. And basically it's, it's how to reach your audience, you know, instead of just putting a blanket post out there or whatever, you know, which it may go to a gazillion people, but there's like a 0.01 percentage of that, those people that are actually your target audience. So that's that's stuff i have to learn yeah you and me both uh like how do you get (laughs) in touch with those people who will actually buy uh outside of just like thinking what your stuff is cool or liking it or whatever the case may be yeah and i just you know i not i have a hard time thinking how how do people buy art from seeing it online. I know it happens, but how do they do it? Like, how, how do you, especially with sculpture, like for me, mm-hmm. it's all about the tactile. It's all about, you know, you, the want to touch it, to, to see how it feels, that feels in a space. Um, yeah. So it's hard to wrap my head around, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I, in an ideal world, we would have, at least for me, I would have a hybrid situation where you can see my stuff physically somewhere, but once you become a fan, you can get it online and this, but you know what you're getting, but like, yeah, if someone's spending a lot of money on a, on something that they can't physically, you know, judge the quality of it, it does make it you know, a unique challenge to get around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does. Now I know, um, the C chord, you know, like they, uh, they've been in business for a long, long time. And so they have a, a very good relationship with their clients. So they will, you know, the client, and this isn't, this is an unheard of where they can, they can take a piece home mm. and see how it feels in the space. Oh, wow. And yeah. And, um, which I love that because it, there's a, there's a trust there that, yeah that makes you 
you know, you can breathe a little easier, you know, when you, when you have that trust. So, and being able to do that, um, you know, for somebody to, to take something home and, and, uh, either put it on their wall or put it on a plinth in the, you know, in their foyer or wherever, and, and just sort of sit with it for a while. You know, that's a, that's a great way to, I think that's a very good way to create a relationship with a, with a piece. Right. Right. So do you, Julie mentioned that you you're creating a lot you're working a lot. Would you agree with that? Do you feel like you're actually like creating the type of, at least creating the type of work that you feel proud of consistently? Consistently? Uh, well, you know, you go through phases, like I can start a piece and I'm all gung ho about it. And I was like, I get really excited about, oh, I'm going to do this. And I get started on it. And then, you know, that's fine. And then, you know, and you're working through the drudgery of it. And yeah, it's still fine. And then sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know if I like this anymore. And I may park it. <laughs> I may park it for, you know, a couple months, could be two years, you know, and yeah. I may come back to it. Um, or it may sit there for another couple of years. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I wouldn't say that everything that I make, I love, mm-hmm. um, or that I, I, I'm consistent at it. But mm-hmm. again, you know, and this is just taking my work and, you know, taking it to the gallery or whatever. And I'm, you know, I go there and I think, oh. I'm holding my breath. It's like, okay, is this like really off or is it, am I, or is it good? Like I can't, sometimes I just can't tell. tell. And so I just, (laughs) and I, I'll just put it out there and wait for reaction. Mm. And then that, and it's not, it takes it out of my hands. It's almost like, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with me again. It's like somebody else's eyes are looking at it. And they uh, see something relate. different. I don't. <laughs> I can't relate. It stops me from making consistently, actually. And I have to continually remind myself that it doesn't matter what the rest of the people think. Like, you put it out, make it, and have confidence and belief that you're, you're saying there, something. Yeah. there. You have to have, you have to push through that. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to have faith that, just finish it. That's what I tell myself. Just, just finish it. And then you yeah. can decide just, you know, just get through the end because y- you just don't know, like even, you know, even if with, with the sign making, you know, like yeah. I was the last sign I did, I put some stain on it. Like, so here's this beautiful sign, all carved, sanded, nice bare wood. And that's when to me, it looks the best, but of course, oh, you need to finish I was going to say that, <laughs> <laughs> but so, and then I have to put stain on it. And so I put the stain on it and it's like, oh God, uh, I just no. wrecked it. Yep. So, but I have to work through it. So you can keep working, keep, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing. And then, and, and just have the faith that, right. It just, it does work out. It does yeah. work out, but there are those ugly duck, duckling phases that you're just going, oh God, what did I just do? Yeah. So with the, with that kind of work, are people looking for like machine accuracy or are they happy that there is some evidence that this is a handmade thing? I mean, you're obviously working with tools, so technically machines, but it's still, you're still the, the main driver behind it. It's not in a factory. 
That's a, that, that's a really good question. I am fortunate in that my clients appreciate what it is that I do. They, by the time they come to me with a commission, they're pretty familiar with what I do. And I have the freedom to do what it is that I do. And they don't have the expectation that they are going to get an anatomically precise whale. (laughs) I'm not interested in that. Right. And, And so they understand that. Um, yeah, so I, I, I've been, I've been very fortunate about that, but I do, you know, my, my painter friends, you know, they, they can, I find they get tormented with the, you know, the realism that is expected from them. Yeah. And, uh, that's, oh, it's such a shame (laughs) that people need to have trust in, in the artist be you know know what it is that they do and and just trust and give them the freedom to do it yeah i i'm not a fan of um, portrait commissions myself i've i've done a couple for family members and i hope my aunt's not listening to this but she's been asking me to do one of my (laughs) my grandmother for like two years now and it's that I can't start it because I just don't want to disappoint when it's not as accurate as it could be, you know? <laughs> oh, I can tell you, just you telling me that I'm feeling the pressure in my, Oh, that's a, that's a high pressure one, especially for family. Yeah. Oh, that's a, uh... yeah. Good luck with that, Dwayne. Yeah, every now and then she'll <laughs> drop me a line on Instagram and she's like, did you get a chance? Because she'll see me working. And that's the other thing. She follows me. So she'll see me working on stuff. And she's like, did you get a chance to work on that? Uh... <laughs> right. Like, well, no. but she's seen your work. She knows She knows your work. She's going to love it anyway because it's from you. I hope so. I hope so. And that's, that's again, it's one of those things I got to remind myself of. Just do the thing. Just, just yeah. do it. It's, it's, it's okay. She wants it because it's from me. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, why whales? What is it about whales that you keep going back to? Yeah. You know, I thought there'd be a time where I'd say enough with the whales, but mm-hmm. here it is almost 18 years later and I'm still carving whales. And, uh, I can say that the sperm whale is still my favorite to carve. And I think it's, it's more because that's, that was the first subject for me Mm -hmm. to, to send me on this path. And, but I do have a, um, there, I love the form of it Mm -hmm. anyway. So I, but sperm whales, like I mentioned before, um, because I learned to carve on Nantucket in Massachusetts and um and that that place is inundated still with you know the uh visualization of yesteryear of the whaling times and and just the um you know the buildings that were built back then Mm. um you know grand and you know some of the most prominent American families came from that area Mm. at that time right there was, you know, and it, it's just, yeah, it, it is a big, you can't escape it if you go, if you go down to that, if you go to that island. Um, but that 
for me to carve that whale, I just love the form. I love the the musculature and the head. It's not symmetrical. It's not a, you know, it's not highly complex. Like the, the, the uh, humpback whale has a bit more intricacies that, that are identifiable, you mm. know, but I, I like the, I like the lineal power that of the, the sperm whale still, I still love to carve it. Mm. So, and for those pieces, do you have a particular type of wood that you always go to? Typically I carve in uh, white pine. Okay. Um, yeah. The majority of the majority of what I carve is white pine. Um, I do mahogany as well, mm. in both sculpture and, and uh, relief or um, I've done a couple of signs in mahogany too and black walnut. Okay. So yeah. I'm not that adventurous in trying a whole bunch of different woods to carve because mm. I like what I like, you know, and I teach in basswood, which I never carved basswood prior to teaching. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's just a, um, it's a softwood and the grain is very predictable. So mm. it's a good, it's a good wood to learn on. Yeah. Um, and pine is, pine is quite, you know, that's a soft, definitely a softwood too, but there's an, enough variant in the um the wood that for me holds interest so it you know there may be a little tricky part that you can't see but you can feel it in your tool and how you cut it so you have to pay attention to mm -hmm. that and then black walnut and mahogany um being hardwoods have you know they they deliver a nice sharp edge and a nice smooth mm -hmm. facet you know um something that the the pine doesn't do so right. it depends what it is that i'm carving yeah right so like mm -hmm. where I'm from is I'm from Bermuda and we have uh, this Bermuda cedar that's en endemic to the, the land. Do you ever find like, say someone was like, hey, I've got this particular wood I would love you to work with. And you're just like, uh, that's, I don't <laughs> that's what I say in my head. Yeah. Oh, words, I'm going, oh, gee, thanks. You know, um, uh, uh, yeah, sometimes that happens. Like one time I came home and there's like, three big lugs sitting in my yard that somebody dropped off. And to this day, I'm not quite sure. I have a suspicion who it was, but I'm not quite sure who it was. Um, and it was hemlock and, um, but they were big. And so I have taken the chainsaw to it. And then uh, what I did after these are like smaller or they're about, I guess, three to four feet high garden sculpture. Um, I will, after chainsawing, take the, take the gouge to it and, and uh, hand tool the whole thing. Mm. Um, the smell of the hemlock is distinctive, which I, I really like, you know, mm. and it's not, and it's not that bad to carve hand carve. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not something I would do with like, say the whales, the smaller stuff, but um, I do like using that for the larger pieces. Mm. And um, yeah. And then for cedar, uh, I was out in Salt Spring Island there uh, a couple of years ago and um, there was, I think it was redwood. Yeah. Just slabs like leftovers that were hanging about in the yard. So I, I tooled that and that was really nice to carve and it was mm. surprisingly nice. I was like, Oh, I couldn't stop. So it is nice to have those little surprises. Um, mm. Yeah. 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 
side note, I'm a big coward. I am terrified of chainsaws. Good, so am I. <laughs> I think any mentally healthy person should be. <laughs> okay, good. Because I'm like, I see people using them. I'm like, how are you just picking that thing up and going? But having a healthy uh, fear of it is, is is important, I guess. Yeah, you know, and uh, I would not, I can't advise anybody other than just make sure you wear your protective gear, wear your chaps, wear your steel toes, wear your helmet, wear your face guard, you know, (laughs) armor yourself up. There's my advice. And then you can take advice from others that have more experience. But I tell you, when you see those arborists up in the trees, just, you know, topping trees, it is, it is beautiful to watch. It is amazing to watch those, you know, I've, I've seen a couple guys do their work and I, just it's fantastic to watch them yeah yeah it's 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 definitely um very interesting uh, i have some a couple of like down trees in my yard i was just like i gotta cut them up but i just can't bring myself to buy or rent a chainsaw to deal with it aha <laughs> uh-huh. yeah yeah well yeah, I don't know what to tell you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I, I, when I started, I would, I, I went, sought out some people to help me first. Uh, yeah, okay. for sure. Um, uh, yeah. And I, I started with, um, I started with a, like a gas chainsaw. Um, but, I don't know if it's me or what, but I, it took me right back to my childhood and the, the lawn mowers and, and it, they would quit on me and I couldn't get it going again because it was flooded or it was this, mm. or it was that. Anyway, I find combustion engines way too temperamental for me. So I, yes. I got the same saw uh, as an electric saw and, mm. you know, I have to plug in, but uh, I love it. Oh. You press the button, it's on, you take the, you know, finger off the button, it's stopped, <laughs> you know, okay. and it doesn't. And it's a lot lighter and it's a lot quieter. And yeah, that was my, was a, that was a big, because I was right on the brink of like, I've had enough of this chainsaw cover and I was too frustrated with the combustion engine. And I don't, I have no interest in learning about those engines. Uh, That might be the way for me, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. So um, if you had any, like one piece of advice for someone pursuing, uh, a craft or art career, you're kind of juggling the, both, I would say. Uh, what advice would you give them? As simple as the sounds, but just do your craft, you know, mm. um, really hone your craft. Uh, and then don't, I, well, don't make grandiose plans just see where it takes you but you can't it's just like pretty much everything I do in my life you have to you have to practice it you have to keep practicing it and you don't you you don't know where it's going to lead you know that's the exciting part you have no idea really and um and and love the process if you can fall in love with the process of what it is that you're doing that the working toward um that is then you're on your way to something if i think if you if you love the actual doing of it 
forget about what the end product is. Um, mm. But I think you're onto something if that's what it is that really floats your boat. Cool. That's, that's great advice. Yeah. Because this isn't always easy. And uh, if you enjoy the process, it keeps you going. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody says, uh, yeah, you know, why don't you go out and be uh, successful in life and become a woodcarver? Yeah. (laughs) Never heard that. Right, right, right. (laughs) So, Jennifer, how do um, people find you online if they want to see your work? Uh, the best place is my website, of course, uh, www.jennifermarlow.com. Marlow is spelled M-A-R-L-O-W, no E. And uh, I do update it now and then, but um, I'm not the best at that. Okay. Because <laughs> you have to do everything, as you probably know. You have yes. to do, you have to maintain your website. You have to do your social media postings. Oh, yeah, you have to paint or carve. Uh, I, don't forget making your lunch and your supper and all that sort of stuff. So the website tends to get pushed down the list of to-dos. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting better at it, but whew, so <laughs> many artists I know who haven't touched their site in two, three years. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I recently put new photos on mine. So that's good. I have, you know, I take my work to a photographer and, uh, and he, he makes, you know, beautiful. Sometimes I'm like, oh, are these photographs actually nicer than my work? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so I had some, I had some nice new photos uh, that I I got to put up on my website just recently. Okay, nice. So let's go check those out, folks. And Jennifer, thank you for coming on to uh, the third edition of Craft Pays Me. Yeah, thanks very much, Dwayne. This was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to our special Craft Page Me series. Thank you to Langi Beats for the theme music. You can find them on YouTube. Just search L-A-N-G-I Beats. And thanks again to Craft Nova Scotia for making this possible and Arts Nova Scotia for the support. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform that you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. And with that, we're out. See you next time. Peace.